All right, well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1. Welcome to Bay Area. My name is Kate. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, Psalm chapter 46, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one in the chairs around you. You can grab that one. Navigate your way to Psalm chapter 46. We'll be in verse 1. Uh, earlier this year, in fact, January of this year, my family and I, and I mean my entire family, my wife and at the time two boys, uh, journeyed to India to complete the adoption of our youngest son, Archer. Um, and I don't know if you've been to India. I've never been to India until then. Uh, the driving scenario in India isn't like here. I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying it's not like here. Uh, for starters, they, their steering wheel is on the other side of the car, and they drive on the other side of the road from us. So that's enough chaos. But if you've ever been to like a motocross or supercross race and seen the beginning of one of those, that's what it's like to be on the road in the country of India. It's just get in where you fit in. The lanes do not matter. Your horn is your voice. It's just make it happen, right? And can you just imagine if we get off the plane and the adoption agency is like, you're gonna need to rent a car and just figure out how to do this. Just like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I just, I don't, I have no interest in doing that. I'm going to add to the chaos if we enter into that chaos. And so how are we, how did we enjoy our time? How did we respond to that chaos? How did we endure? How did we make it through the chaos that was the driving scenario in India? Enter in a man named Tuna. That is his, that's the name that we knew him as, like the fish, Tuna. Uh, and he grew up in India. He's driven in India as long as he was legally allowed to do so. And he navigated us to every appointment we needed to go to. And he afforded us the option to go and see parts of India that we otherwise wouldn't have seen because we would have stayed in our hotel room because there's no way on the earth that I would have navigated the roads. You see, it was his presence in the midst of our chaos that provided us with a level of confidence we didn't, like, I didn't sit in the car and be like, hey, you got, are you sure you got this? Like, you sure you know what you're doing? Like, I'm not, maybe you're horned now? Like, I didn't do that. It was his presence with us in the chaos that provided us a level of security. I, I didn't sit in the passenger seat of his car and just hit my imaginary brake like some of you parents do when you're teaching your child to, you're just like stomping, you're just like, there's nothing there, stop pressing your leg. It was his presence with us amidst the chaos that allowed us to say, hey, you've got the power to take us where we need to go. You can get us where we need to go. We don't have to be consumed by this chaos. We have confidence in you. We have a level of security because of you. We trust that you have the power to get us to where we need to go. And it helped us to navigate that chaos in a helpful way. Now, why do I tell you all that? Because that's a silly way to understand this. The world that you and I live in is really marked by chaos. You know this. You open your Facebook feed and you're like, man, this is insane. You turn on the news, you hear, you hear what's going on in others' lives, and it's just marked by chaos. But it's not just a global reality, like it's out there. It's also right here. That yes, there's, there's realities that are chaotic in the world, but there's realities that are chaotic in our own life. Families break, relationships fracture, Kids go rogue. Finances are strenuous. Things get hard. 
and we're stuck in that chaos. And the question that we're left with as the people of Jesus is, what is the Christian way to navigate chaos? How do we do this in a way that doesn't make us slaves to the chaos, but how do we thrive amidst the chaos? What is the Christian response to the chaos of the world? And I think Psalm 46 helps us in answering that very question. So if you're able, I'd invite you to stand in honor of reading God's word. We'll read Psalm chapter 46. We'll read the entire Psalm. At the end of our main text reading, we say this phrase, the very words, this is a way to separate God's perfect words from mine that are not. Psalm 46, beginning in verse one. This is what the word of God says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You can have a seat. So the main idea for our time together is this. The Christian response to chaos is confidence in God's character, security in God's presence, and trust in God's power. I'll give it to you one more time. The Christian response to chaos is confidence in God's character, security in God's presence, and trust in God's Power. So the first part of that, what is the Christian response to chaos? First, it's confidence in God's character. You see that beginning in verse one. Look back at it with me. The psalmist identify who, identifies who God is. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What are the characteristics that the psalmist identifies about God? Three things. He's a refuge. That is, he's a place of safety amidst danger. He's a strength provider. He is the supplier of what we need to continue going amidst what is chaotic. And he's a very present help. Another way to say it is he's well-proven. Or another, maybe some of your Bibles say, he's a helper that's at hand when we need him. He comes to our aid when we are in need. This is who our God is. Refuge, strength, a very present help in trouble. And I want you to notice something that my wife helped me understand. That our experience of God as all three of these things requires us to be in places that we do not like to be. In order for God to be a refuge, trouble must be near. In order for God to be our strength, we must be proven weak. In order for God to be our very present help, we must find ourselves in need. And we don't like to be in any of those places. We don't like to be amidst trouble. We do all we can to stay out of it. We don't like to feel weak. We're Texans. (laughs) We don't like to be in need. And yet those are the places that God invites us to meet him as a refuge, a strength provider, and a very present help in our trouble. 
And it's in fact when we are in those places that we experience the fullness of God as our refuge and our strength provider and our very present help amidst our trouble. Some of you have this kind of story that it was in your trouble and in your weakness and in your chaos that you experienced God in ways that you otherwise would have not. That he was a refuge to you. He was a very present help. He was your strength provider. This is how Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness that the power of Christ would rest on me. And so in order for us to experience God as a refuge and strengthen a very present help in trouble, we must find ourselves to be in places that we often try to avoid because what we often do as people in the West is we avoid chaos, but God does not avoid chaos and often he doesn't allow his people to do so either. And some of you know that because of stories you can tell and some of you know that because of the story you're living right now. You're in chaos. But the good news of our God He doesn't leave you in the chaos by yourself. He meets you in it as a refuge and a strength giver and a very present, well-proven, a helper who is at hand for you amidst your chaos. And you can have confidence in God's character while you walk through that chaos. And so what does that do for us? What does the confidence result in? Look at verse two. Therefore, in light of verse one, here's the reality, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, God is as chaotic as it can be. The earth is giving way. The mountains, those huge things, they're being moved into the sea. He's describing as chaotic a scenario as possible. And the response is, because of who you are, God, we will not fear. Fearlessness is the response to God's character. Fearlessness in the face of chaos Now, hear me say this to you. That doesn't mean that you can identify your scenario as scary and invoking fear in you. Like, well, a kid said I shouldn't. That's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying to you that in your fear, in your circumstances, you don't let fear be the thing that dictates how you live your life. You let the character of God shape how you respond amidst your fear. God, I am afraid. God, this is scary. But you're a refuge to me. Your strength provider to me, your very present help in my trouble. And so fear will not dictate how I live my life. I'm afraid, but I can keep going. Maybe a helpful example of this is in a guy's life named Martin Luther, who is largely responsible for what is known as the Protestant Reformation. For some of you, you're like, I'm with you. And for some of you, you're like, I don't care what that is. He's largely responsible for what we say, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We declare that good truth because of the work of Martin Luther. And so he discovers this through reading the scriptures and gets summoned by the powers that be of the Catholic Church, and he's going to get an opportunity before the powers that be of the Catholic Church to recant recant on this new heresy that he's developed called salvation by faith alone. And he gets an opportunity to stand before them to recant. Hey, just go back on all that you said and all will be good. And he stands before them and he says, I cannot go back. I am bound by the word of God. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so you can imagine in the moment how fearful he would have been. It was a relatively unpopular opinion at the time. It wasn't common. You can imagine that he's having to navigate that with a level of fear. And David Allen writes this article about this 
man and about this occurrence, and he says this, Psalm 46 was Martin Luther's favorite song. During the dark and dangerous periods of the Reformation, Luther would turn to his trusted friend, Philip Melanchthon, and exclaim, let's sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst. And that Psalm inspired the hymn that many of you know that says this, a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark, which is a defensive wall for those of you who don't use that word very often, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. You can hear what he's doing. God, it is chaotic out here, but I'm finding confidence in who you are. It was God's character that supplied Martin Luther with the confidence to remain in the fight for the Reformation. And it will be God's character that provides us with the confidence to move forward amidst the chaos that you and I face, amidst the chaos that we hear about in the world, and amidst the chaos that we experience in our life. One of the study Bibles that I looked at as I was preparing for this says this, in chaotic circumstances, while the rest of the world responds in fear, the Christian responds with confidence. Not because what is happening is not real chaos, but because our confidence is in the one that is above the chaos. And so we find confidence in God's character amidst our chaos. This is how the Christian responds to chaos. The second way we respond to chaos is security in God's presence. So we have confidence in God's character. Now we have security in God's presence. Look at verse four. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. One of the commentators says that in verse three, you're getting this picture of chaos. And in verse four, it's like the scene shifts dramatically. Chaos, 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 one through three. Verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's this, it's this image of peace. Many of you have sung this as kids. I've got peace like a... Yeah, you're right. Deep in my... Okay, never mind. How is this possible? How is it that there is peace amidst so much chaos? Verse five gives us the answer. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. It is God's presence with his people that supplies them with the security that they long for amidst their chaos. God's presence supplies his people with security. This has been true of the people of God for millennia. In Exodus chapter three, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. He's taking care of some sheep in Midian and God starts talking to Moses. And he says this to him in verse 10 of chapter three of Exodus. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What's the instruction? Hey, Moses, I know you've been taking care of these sheep. I know you're Hebrew. Why don't you go back uh, to, the, to the greatest power in the known world and just tell him, let my people go. Some of you are like, if I was Moses, I would have told that fool, like, hey, let my people go, man. Like, I'm ready. You are not ready. You are just not ready for that. And so what, how does Moses respond in verse 11? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's the response. God, I do not have what it takes to do this. I can't go. Send one of the sheep. Send anybody else. I do not have what it takes to do this. 
And how does God secure Moses in the chaos? Verse 12, he said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people of Egypt, brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. His promise is not just go, I'll take care of it. It's, hey, you, you will have what it takes because I will be with you. He supplies security to Moses with his presence in the middle of chaos. This was true of Joshua. As the leadership transitions from Moses to Joshua and they're about to roll into the promised land, Joshua's about to take over leadership of the people of Israel. Can you imagine how he feels? It's like, God, I'm gonna be in charge of this people who quickly after you parting the water and drowning the Egyptians in it, complained about not having enough water to drink. And then quickly thereafter, complained about not having enough food to eat. And then quickly thereafter, worshiped a cow. And then quickly thereafter, were so tired of this manna that you have provided miraculously every day. You're gonna make me lead those people, God. Can you imagine the chaos that he might have felt? How was he comforted? Deuteronomy 31, six to eight. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land of the Lord, the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. How does he supply Joshua with security he needs amidst his chaos? With the promise of God's presence. It is God's presence that supplies Joshua with the security he needs to face the chaos before him. This is true with the psalmist, perhaps one of the most popular psalms ever in Psalm 23, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The psalmist doesn't say, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will remove you from it. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will take that away from you. No, just notice how God leads us as a shepherd. Even though you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through the most chaotic of scenarios of your life, you will be there. You will not be by yourself. You don't have to fear. Why? Because I'm with you. My rod and my staff, they'll comfort you as you face the chaos. God secures us with his presence. How is it that this, God's presence does, how does it provide the security in our chaos? Two ways. You see them in verse seven. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Two ways that God supplies security with his presence. One, because his presence comes with power. His presence comes with power. The Lord of hosts is with us. Maybe some of your Bibles say the Lord of heaven's armies is with us. The leader, the general, the ruler of heaven's armies has got all the juice that you need and he's with you amidst your chaos. That's the God who is present with us. That's the God who was present with Moses in the face of Pharaoh. That's the God who was present with Joshua as he transitioned the people of God into the promised land. That's the God who is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. And hear me, that's the God who is with us today in League City, Texas, as we face whatever chaos that we will face. He's got power with his presence. And the second way is his presence comes with promise. His presence comes with promise. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Israel 
The God who has covenanted himself to a people and said, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will be faithful to you even when you are not faithful to me. I will be with you. That's the God, the one who is faithful and strong, the one who covenants himself to people. This is the God who promises his presence with us amidst our chaos. Because so often what can happen when we face chaos, the first thing that can come to our minds, and I'm, I, I'm saying this to you not as somebody judging you, but somebody who does this. In the face of chaos, the first question that I can often ask is, God, where are you? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you helping? Why aren't you taking this away? And the truth of Psalm 46, verse 7 is, he is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God who has covenanted himself to the people of God is our fortress. And so we find security in the presence of God amidst our chaos. So we find confidence in God's character amidst chaos. We have security in God's presence amidst chaos. And the final thing is we trust in God's power amidst chaos. Look at verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the final Christian response to chaos is we trust in God's power. How does the psalmist help us understand this? He just invites us to look at God's resume. Verse eight, hey, come. Behold, the works of the Lord. He makes, he, he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. The things that make for chaos and war, God handles. He burns the chariots with fire. And so you can trust God's power amidst chaos. Why? Because he's displayed his power before. And if he was powerful then, he'll be powerful now. Behold the works of the Lord. And so the exercise for us is, in the midst of our chaos, when we feel like, God, are you gonna, will you be? The exercise is to look backwards and say, where have you been powerful before that reminds me that you will be powerful now? What are the stories that much like the, the Israelites as they cross into the promised land, what are the stories that you've stacked stones around that you might tell your kids, God split the Jordan and brought us into the land? Tell those stories to yourself amidst the chaos that remind you our God is powerful enough to maybe take this away, but certainly to hold us amidst the chaos. See, what we want most often is for God just to remove the chaos. And hear me say to you, God is powerful enough to remove the chaos. He just might do that. But oftentimes, God keeps us in the chaos and allows us to experience his sustaining power as we continue to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And hear me, that's not God being any less good to you. Your good shepherd walks with you in the valley of the shadow of death. And you can trust his, powerful, his power. He was powerful then. He'll be powerful now to hold you. And what does that result in for us? What does this look like? What does it look like to trust God's power amidst chaos? You see in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. The first thing that it looks like is, is that there's no more striving on our part. 
in the midst of chaos, what it looks like to trust God's power is to cease striving. And so often our impulse amidst chaos is just to get to work managing our chaos. How do we get this to go away? How do we turn down these volume knobs, hit the mute button, make this feel like it's a bit more peaceful than it actually is? That's what we try to do. God's invitation in the midst of our chaos is to be still. And that's not an invitation to do nothing. It's an invitation to do the right things connected to the right source. What we want to do is just to get to what we're doers. You live by your to-do, you're like, I've checked this box, I've checked this box, I've checked this. We are doers by nature. And so amidst chaos, what do we want? We want to go and do something to just mitigate this chaos. And in our own strength, we will get to work doing that and find ourselves frustrated or find ourselves exhausted. And God's invitation is, be still. Come and do the things that you need to do. Connected to the right source for power. Be still and know that I am God. I've got the power you need to do the things you need to do. So I'm not advocating for you sitting and doing nothing amidst your chaos. I'm advocating for you doing those things connected to the right source. That's what it looks like to trust God amidst the chaos. What it looks like to trust his power. The second thing that it looks like is to expect that God will be exalted. Look at verse 11. Excuse me, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The promise from God is amidst the chaos, I will be exalted. Glory will be brought to me. Here's the good news of our God that a friend reminded me of yesterday, that part of the goodness of our God in the midst of chaos is he doesn't waste the chaos that we face. It's not for nothing. You don't face it and God looks down and goes like, oof, sorry, you guys. Like, I wish we didn't see that one coming. You don't face it for nothing. In the midst of our chaos, God is working for his glory and our good. And that ought to give us a lot of hope to find confidence in his character, security in his presence, and trust that he's powerful enough to handle it. This is how we respond as the people of Jesus to chaos. And the, the point of it for us is this. Some of that is for you to reflect on the year gone by. How have you responded to some of the chaos you faced? Not to just like, well, didn't do that. I guess, uh, just reflect on your life. Where are the ways that you would, would, would adjust in light of what the scriptures say? And then as you look forward to the year ahead, I'm not trying to be a downer, but like 2024, probably going to have some chaos. I don't know. Welcome to church. Happy New Year. <laughs> I just... Inevitably, you will face it familially, vocationally, globally. You fill in the blank. I don't know. And I hope that we, as the people of Jesus at Bay Area Church, respond in such a way with confidence in our God, security in his presence, trusting in his power, that it becomes this billboard to the watching world. We trust our God. Instead of joining the drone of everybody else's chaos everywhere else, now, how do we know that this is true? Like, how do, how do we know that God's character does give us confidence in chaos? How do we know that his presence, his presence does give us security in chaos? How do we know that his power is worthy of our trust in chaos? Because you see this most clearly and fully in the sending of Jesus. It's in the sending of Jesus that God displays his character of justice and grace and deals with the chaos of our sin by his death on the cross. 
It's in Jesus that we are given full and unhindered access to God's presence that secures us forever because of Jesus' sacrificial death in our place. And it's in Jesus that God displays his power to defeat the biggest cause of our chaos and sin by raising Jesus from the dead. And so we can trust God and face the chaos with confidence in his character, security in his presence, and trusting in his power because he displayed it fully in Christ. If the sending of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is a flashing billboard to the people of God, you can hope in your God. His character is worth your confidence. His presence does supply you with security. His power is worth your trust. Look to Jesus. It's a reminder to us. And we're, when we're a people who are prone to forget, we will look to Jesus and be reminded we can find confidence in your character, God. Your presence does give us security. Your power is worthy of our trust because you entered our chaos to remove us from the chaos in Christ. What a gift. This is what it looks like to respond to the chaos as the people of God. Confidence in God's character, security in God's promise, trust in his power. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just as you get a moment alone, I <clears throat> just want to ask you some questions maybe that you can reflect on and process with the Lord. A follower of Jesus, what's your typical response to chaos? As things spin up, as you reflect on the year gone by, what has been your typical response to the chaos globally, personally? What are ways that you would adjust? What are ways that you want to navigate differently in the year that's ahead of us? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you find yourself here today, maybe being around the things of God but not really following Jesus at all, I just want you to reflect on this question. How will you deal with the chaos of your sin? How will you deal with the stuff in you that you don't want anybody to know about? Maybe you've tried being good. Maybe you tried showing up here so that God would get off your back. God's inviting you to come and follow Jesus. Come and believe on Christ. He has lived, died, and risen to deal with the chaos of our sin. So what's going to happen here in the next few moments, we're going to sing a song and get some time to respond. And if you want to place your faith in Jesus, you just talk to God about that. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. You just talk to the Lord about that. God, I cannot deal with this chaos of my sin. I need your help. And if you want to pray with somebody about that, if you want to come and celebrate with somebody about that, we'd love for you to come forward and meet with one of our pastors or prayer partners. Maybe for others of you as followers of Jesus, you're just facing chaos You've come out of it, you're in the midst of it, and you just need somebody to hold your arms up and remind you of who God is, remind you that his presence is enough, remind you that his power is sufficient. And we would love to pray for you. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then we'll respond. Father, we're grateful that you've given us some time to remind ourselves from the scriptures who you are. And so in these moments, God, we want to respond to your word and to who you are. And so give these people the confidence and courage they need to be obedient to what you call them to do. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You got-